And the Lord said, enough of that for a set time, for a set season. But I'm here to tell you that that set season is coming back again. And there's a spirit of repentance within the halls of the church. And we are right now positioned for the greatest end time revival that this planet has ever seen. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much once again for joining me for yet another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Oh, God's going to do something wonderful in your life. Let me tell you what. I'm so excited about it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Here comes today's message. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You guys did a great job on that song. You survived. Go ahead and take your seats in the presence of our life-changing King. Amen? Oh, wonderful. Don't you feel better now? Ooh, nothing like a little church aerobics to get you going. Well, turn with me in your Bibles this morning. We get straight to it. Turn with me in your Bibles uh, to the book of Mark, the 11th chapter. We're going to start here this morning. Mark 11. And I am looking for a clock on the wall, and I don't see a clock on the wall. Uh oh. Uh oh. But I guarantee you we'll be out before four o'clock. Well, I shouldn't make such guarantees. I don't know. We'll just be led by the Lord. Amen. Mark 11. And the whole chapter of Mark 11 is extremely powerful. Say powerful. powerful. And there's so much stuff here that is, we're going to have, I mean, we're going to have to be led of the Lord for us to get everything that God wants us to get out of here. Anybody ever eaten before at uh, maybe Ryan's or maybe Golden Corral or some sort of Piccadilly's restaurant, some sort of buffet area? And there is so much food everywhere. You don't know what to get. And as a matter of fact, you're, this plate is, the plate is not for you. You've already eaten. You're full. But you have people at the table. And they're not telling you what they want to eat. You have to go and decide what to eat. Decide what to put on their plate. So I'm going to go back to the buffet table and bring you out something for you to eat. Praise Jesus. But the Lord has already decided the menu this morning. Amen. All right. Mark 11. Mark 11. Mark 11, powerful, powerful, powerful. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for another opportunity to bring forth your word. We thank you, Lord God, for everything. And we acknowledge the presence of your Holy Spirit, that you would just speak to us today, lead us in where we need to go, show us what we need to, to see, and impart life into us, that we may be better, so much better. In Jesus' name. Let everyone agree, say amen. amen. Well, let's get right down to it. Mark 11. Mark 11, and we will start here. We can actually start here at verse number, verse number 7. We'll start there. This, first of all, it talks about the Lord's triumphant return to Jerusalem. Now, this is where uh, it's almost time for the whole crucifixion process. And he's about to come into Jerusalem and there is a donkey waiting for him. He tells the disciples, go into such a place and get a donkey that's tied there, a colt that is tied there and, and bring him here. And they did that and they bring them and they put their clothes on him, on the donkey. And Jesus sat on them and on the clothes. And now he's riding into town and the people are so very, very excited. So very excited. And this is what we'll take up here in verse number seven. And today we'll be speaking from the subject of breakthrough is on the other side of the mountain. Breakthrough is on the other side of the mountain. And before we get into this, let me show you a picture. There are two mountains here in Mark 11, two mountains. And on the other side of those mountains are breakthrough, all the blessings that God has in store for you, the things that you've been praying for, the things that you've been asking for. The deliverance, the, the things that you've been fasting for and praying for, they are there on the other side of the mountains. So we have the two mountains, and on the other side of the mountains, there is breakthrough. 
But in between the two mountains is a fig tree. So we see here fig tree in the middle, two mountains and breakthrough on on either side. We're going to try to get to them today in Jesus' name. So we see in verse number seven, it says, And they uh, brought uh, the colt to Jesus and, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him, and many spread their garments in the way. The people got involved. The people were so excited that Jesus was coming. They put they took off parts of the clothing, and they laid it in the streets, and Jesus uh, was riding down. And it says, And others cut down branches off the trees, and strawed them in the way. Branches, the word branches here, very symbolic. The word branches talks about a leaf or it's, it's a leafy branch. Leafy branch. They threw down leaves and we know uh, that these are probably palms. This is where we get our Palm Sunday from. So they're throwing down the palms or the leaves. There are so many leaves in his path and clothing all as he's riding into Jerusalem. Can you say leaf? Oh, very strong word there. And it says uh, in verse number nine, and they, and they that went before and they that followed cried saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our, of our father, David, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem. Now, here's the kicker in verse 11. My goodness, I really want to. Here we go. Let me do it. Can I do it? Can you, can you let me do a favor? Can you let me have a favor for a moment? Let me read a little bit, then I'll come back and we'll discuss. How about that? Because there's so much here. I smell so much. I, mm, it, smell, it smells so good. I can, the word is so good, I could even uh, scratch and sniff. I'm telling you, it's so good. So just let me read just a little bit, and then because everybody may not be familiar with the whole chapter, let me read just a little bit, maybe down to verse 26, and then we'll go back. Is that okay? All right. Verse 11 says, And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked round about all uh, upon all things, and now the eventide was come, uh, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. Say hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Uh, For the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Oh, I love the echo there. Forever. Yeah, he's one of those pastors. Forever. And his disciples heard it. Verse 15 says, And they come to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew uh, the tables, or rather cast them out of them that uh, sold and bought in the temple and threw, uh, overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, It is written, My house shall be called uh, of all nations a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and saw how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people was astonished at his doctrine. Verse 19, And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw, a, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursest is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. I love that echo. Verse 23. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. For when ye stand praying, forgive, rather, and when ye stand praying, forgive. If ye have aught against any, 
that your father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Wow. Isn't that awesome? I could do a cartwheel right now. I'm telling you, this is some awesome stuff. Now let's go all the way back. Now let's take a walk. I love a big area. Let's walk together. Can we walk together? Now let's go back to the very beginning where the Lord Jesus is making his triumphant journey into Jerusalem. And the people are so very excited that he's there. They are throwing clothing and branches and that is palm leaves, leaves in the way as Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. They're throwing leaves. Remember that there are two mountains and on the, ever, on the other sides of those are breakthrough our breakthrough. Jesus, as with the fig tree, because all of this goes together, it's so wonderful. Jesus, as with the fig tree, he was looking, the Bible says he was hungry and he saw a fig tree in the way and it has leaves on the fig tree. Now, the, uh, they tell me and uh, Bible commentaries say and those farmers say that if a, if a fig tree retained its leaves through the winter, that uh, it was extremely possible that the tree had figs. If it had leaves, it had figs. So Jesus being hungry, saw the leaves and perceived that it also had figs. It had fruit. Grab a hold of this. Here's Jesus going into Jerusalem and there are leaves everywhere giving the appearance that there must be some fruit for me in the temple. Because that's exactly where he's going. There must be something. I'm hungry for something. I'm hungry for worship. I'm hungry for the prayers of my people, the Lord saying. So I'm going for something there in the temple. There are leaves, so there must be fruit in the temple, in the church. And so he sees leaves. And, and the Bible says in verse number 11, that when the Lord entered into Jerusalem uh, and into the temple... Uh, and when he had looked round about upon all things, say all things. In other words, he examined the state of the temple. He examined the state of the church. He looked about it, about all things. Now we know because we've just read, we know how he must be feeling right now. How do we know how we must be feeling? Because the very next day when he came back, he overthrew the tables of money changers. He threw the tables over. Money went everywhere. He kicked over the seats of those that sold doves. Uh, he was very angry. The righteous indignation, the zeal of the Lord was upon him. And he suffered those that would carry things through the temple, through the court, that is the court of the Gentiles. He told them, don't come in here. Don't bring that through here. The zeal of the Lord was upon him. So look, so we can see in the mind of Christ, as he comes, he gets down off of the donkey there. There are leaves, there must be some fruit here. And so he enters into his house, enters into his house, the house of prayer. So surely there is some prayer going on, but what he sees are people that are cheating people, uh, the money changers, uh, they, they have unjust weights, and, and he sees a very noisy marketplace, because understand, in this particular place called the court of the Gentiles, this is where the rest of the world, all the non-Jews, could come and worship God. This is where they would come in and seek the face of God, the God that they had heard about, the, the God of the, of the Jews, the God of Israel, the God that opened up the Red Sea. Uh, surely if he'd opened up the Red Sea for them, he can do the same for me. Uh, the God that knocked down the walls of Jericho, surely if he did it for them, he can do it for me. They heard about the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They heard about this God that, that rescued Daniel from the lion's den. They'd heard about this great God and knew that their little puny idol on the shelf could not do that. And so they came to seek a relationship with the one true God. All over the world, they came. But when they got there to the court of the Gentiles, 
What did they find when the sinner came into the church? Oh, here comes a shift. What did he find? He found a noisy marketplace. He found those that were corrupt, those that were stealing, those that were abusing the people, trying to get money from them. He found that their motive for their particular church was financial gain and not the worship of the one true God. So here is Jesus. He enters in, in the scene. There are leaves here. There's my house. Honey, I'm home. He comes in the door. Uh huh. He finds a noisy marketplace. Remember, he said, as it goes on down, he suffered them not to carry things through the temple. Well, the court of the Gentiles was so vast, the temple itself was so vast, spanning several football fields wide, that there were servants and, uh, and other community people, you know, they were carrying things and, you know, it, it was just taking them too long to go around the temple to go up to the other side. Just taking them too long. So somebody got the permission from the priest, hey, let us bring our furniture and the other things. Would you mind if we take them through? the court of the Gentiles. It's just the Gentiles. They're not really saved. They're not really born again. They don't really know the Lord. You know, that's for the, the Jews. And, and the Jews were further in the place. You know, there was an outer court, the inner court, holies of holies, three places. So this is where the court of the Gentiles were. They don't really need anything, you know. So we'll let the traffic go through there. You don't mind, do you, Mr. Priest? No, come on and bring your stuff through. So there in one corner, there are people haggling over the, the price of sheep so they could buy the sheep and go into worship. On the other side, they were haggling over the doves. And then you had a lot of traffic going straight through the church as people were carrying things from one side to the other. To the other. There's traffic going back and forth, back and forth, all while people have come from around the world to seek the face of God. Somebody said, well, why didn't they just go on in and with the Jews? Understand that there was a sign posted in different languages saying, if you're not Jewish, if you are not a part of the, uh, of the Israeli nation, you cannot go back here. You cannot come back here. On penalty of death, you would die. And so the thing is, here, the, here are these worshipers trying to get to God because they know that their gods, their little demonic powers, they can't solve the problem. They're these people, they, they really want God. They have problems. They, they, they don't have hope. They need an answer. And they really want him, but they can't get to him because there's a sign saying, if you come back here, you will die under penalty of death. So they can't get to God, and it's noisy where they are, but they're crying out, Lord, I want to find you. Lord, but it's so much going on, so much commotion. I want to find you. Where are are you? I can't get to you. And here's what a loving God does. If you can't come to him, he grabs himself up in a body and is born of a virgin and then begins to walk among men and says, if you can't come to me, I'll come to you. Hallelujah. And so here is Jesus. Now the God that they've been seeking, now God himself comes out and says, here, I am here. And the first thing he does, it says, this stuff got to go. You, you got to go. And he was not diplomatic about it either. He didn't say, okay, money changers, uh, you have until the end of the day to get out of here. You have until the end of the week. You, you're going to have to go. Uh, those of you that are selling doves, oh, what a pretty dress you're wearing. Yes. Yeah, but, you know, you're going to have to go back in the day. No, he turned over the tables. Money went flying everywhere. He kicked over the seats. And he told the people with authority. Now, this was a very big area. This one man, Jesus, here again, spanning several football fields. People coming in and out. He, this one man, the zeal of the Lord, Christ, controlled the whole area. Don't bring that in here. Get out. 
What was he doing? He was defending those that were coming to seek his face. He was fighting for them. But there was a mountain standing in the way. And what did he do? He confronted the mountain. What did he say? Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says shall come to pass. He will have whatsoever he says. He confronts the mountain. And you better bet it was moved and it was cast into the sea. And so now those that were coming for a relationship with him could interact with him. And we see as it further as it goes further on, and, and there are several results of this. And we'll talk about the second mountain in a moment. There are several results of this because the Bible says that after he cast them out, and we see this in other gospels in the book of Luke, the 19th chapter, verse 47, we see that after he cast all that out, all of the corruption out of the church. After he cast all of that out, all the noise out of the church. After he cleansed the church. After judgment begins in the house of the Lord. After he cleansed his church. Then he was seen teaching in the temple. Oh, Jesus is teaching in the house. Hallelujah. The pure, unadulterated word of God comes forth. And then we see also in the book of Matthew, the 21st chapter, we see how the Lord is there also is healing the blind and healing the lame. The blind and the lame came to him in the house. Miracles began to break out. Miracles and signs and wonders. But the Bible is very clear. It says the blind came to them, came to Jesus. That is those that were not only physically blind, but we could also say those who were walking in darkness, those who had no vision for their lives, those who were walking aimlessly. Jesus gave them vision. He gave them sight. He gave them hope when they came into the house. And the Bible says he, he healed those that were lame, not only physically lame, but relationally lame, emotionally lame, mentally lame. He healed those that were crippled in every area of their lives. These were people that society called rejects. You're defective. You're blind and, and you don't move correctly. But Jesus said after he cleansed the temple, after he cleansed the house, they came. Symbolic again of the great end time revival. Because you and I, very, we, you know just as I do that there is a lot of corruption in the church today. A lot of corruption in the halls of the church today. But don't you worry because there is still a group of people. There is still a nation of people that are crying out, God, if you are real, deliver me. God, can you help me? They are crying out to him day and night, night and day. The unborn babies are crying out in the womb won't you help me innocent blood that has been shed that has been spilt upon the land is crying out to God help me help me the world is in so much pain and it's crying out to God help me and what is Jesus doing he's saying hold on I'm coming hallelujah hold on I'm coming because he's raising up churches. He's raising up pastors. He's raising up believers that will take the gospel of Jesus Christ throughout all the world and make disciples. He's raising you up, not just to pulpit tears. He's raising you up. He's raising the children up in the classrooms to give a word to their teacher. Teacher, this is what Jesus is saying. Hallelujah. He's raising you up on the job to give a word in season in the break room. He's raising you up at the Walmart gas pump. Someone's on the other side and God speaks to you and say, hey, say this to them. They need prayer. They need me. He's raising up end time warriors who will confront the mountain and the power of God will come through. Amen. Give God a hand of praise. The question is, Will you be a part of God's army? Will you be a part of his army? Because we are the body of Christ. 
And what's going on here? We see again, we see a place that has leaves, but no fruit. It sounds a lot like in the end times how there will be many will have a form. A form of the gospel. A, they'll have a form, but no power. Nothing to back up what they are saying. No power in the house of God. No power among the people of God. Well, he comes in and, and he deals with the church. Mountain number one. Now let's talk about your mountain. Can we do that for a minute? Because they marveled, the disciples marveled, Lord, look at the fig tree that you curse is withered away. That fig tree is symbolic of the nation of Israel. They did not receive their Messiah. And so the Lord said, no man eat fruit of you or you will not bear fruit forever. The word, the, actually the word forever translated in the Greek can also mean uh, for this age or for this time period or for a set time, you will not bear fruit. What time? Until the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. God will awaken his house, his people Israel, once again, and they will become an even greater nation than before. But there is a set time. And then not only of Israel, but the future also talks about many of us within the halls of the church. God has given us a set time. But we have been hypocrites. We have given false advertisements. And the Lord said, enough of that for a set time, for a set season. But I'm here to tell you that that set season is coming back again. And there's a spirit of repentance within the halls of the church and we are right now positioned for the greatest end time revival that this planet has ever seen. Question is, can they sit by you when they come in? Can they sit by you when their bodies are so filled with tattoos you can no longer see their skin? Can they sit by you when they have an earring stuck here to here to here to here to here and it goes in the shirt somewhere that you, we don't want to talk about? Can they sit by you when they smell the reeking of alcohol? Can they sit by you? Or will we get upset because they're sitting in your seat? You don't sit. I don't care who you are. You're not going to sit in my seat. That's my seat. This end time revival will be so vast. Before the return of the Lord will be so vast as the Lord draws people to himself. Can they sit by you? Anybody want to answer that question? Because they are coming. They're coming. They must come. Very briefly, the Lord tells him, Peter... Disciples, there are other mountains in your life as well. This is how you're going to get these mountains removed. Because remember, on the, on the other side of the mountain, there is breakthrough. First thing he says, we've got to get the God equation correct. He says, have faith in God. Not your money. Not your job. Not your programs. Not your looks. Although you are cute, I'm going to tell you something. Faith not in stuff. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Number one. And then he says, whosoever shall say unto the mountain. In other words, then you will confront the thing that has been holding back your blessing. We've cried. We've complained. We've talked about the mountain so for so long. But now that we have God in right focus, we have faith in him. He gives us the power to confront the thing that is standing in our way. The Bible says like this, submit yourselves therefore unto God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. But we prayed so many prayers, we've seen no results probably because we haven't been submitted to him. We've claimed Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want 
Yes, you are, Jesus. You are my shepherd. So that means I don't want anything. I'm not going to want anything. But, Lord, I got some need around here. But we haven't gotten the first part right. He is your shepherd. That means that he is the one who's guiding you. It means when he says go left, you go left. He is the one who guides, who directs, who rules. He brings you forward. He determines the direction of your life. Let's say you're on a job, you're making $200,000 a year, but God says one day, hey, I want you to quit your job and go to work at McDonald's as a fry cook. What, Lord? Lord, I got a house and, you know, car payment. Yes, but leave your house, 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 house. Leave your job, 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 job. And go to McDonald's if, 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 if. I had to speak King James language. <laughs> McDonald's if, 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 if. And become a fry cook if. And I shall reward you with. Whose? You're going to follow his voice or your pocket? If he's shepherd, if he's Lord, let him be Lord. Let's get off of that point. How about that? How about that? You're looking at me kind of strange. Get the God equation right first. He is God. He is preeminent. Have faith in God. Then you will have the ability to speak to that thing that has been overwhelming you. That's a prophetic word for somebody. Then you will have the strength. You'll have the anointing, the the authority to speak to that thing that has been overwhelming you. When you fall to your knees and in utter submission to God and say, Lord, I give all of me to all of you. Have your way in me. I surrender, oh God. I surrender to you. I give myself to you. Then he in return gives you power. And you will say to the thing that's been confronting you, the thing that's been staring you in the face, the thing that troubles you, the thing that keeps you up all day and night, the things that you've been praying about and and crying over, the things that constantly disappoint you over and over and over again, a thing that makes you feel powerless. Because you put a lot of prayer on it. I don't know who the Lord is talking to now. You put a lot of prayer on it. You've been really praying about it and it has not moved. The Lord said, submit it all to me. The scripture says, uh, this kind does not come out but by fasting and fasting and prayer. What does fasting and prayer do? Fasting and prayer empties you of you and brings more of God into you. Fasting and prayers, when you deny yourself, you say no to self and yes to God. Fasting and prayer brings in a submission to the Lord. So when you begin to submit to him, say yes to him and not and, and, and say no to your own selfish desires, then you will see God equip you with power that you've never even known. Then you will speak with authority. And the thing that has been uncontrollable, unrestrainable will bow to you. You find also in the book of Psalms, and my tablet is shutting down now. You find also in the book of Psalms, Psalm 23, when the Lord said, you know, he's our shepherd, we shall not want. If you get that part right, him being shepherd, then you'll see the Lord will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies which means he will cause you to rule over them. Table, not only eating, table, not only for eating, but table is also the place where decisions are made. This is the king's table. He's granted you a seat at his table and his enemies will bow as he makes a decree. If we get this thing right and really fall in line with the desires of our king, nothing can stop. Nothing can stop us. 
And so he says in my closing, and so he says, you'll have power if you get the God thing right. Have faith in God. Then you'll be able to say to the mountain. Then you'll be able to say to the mountain. After you say to the mountain, then he says, now, the mountain is removed, right? Now you're on the other side where the breakthrough is. Well, what's on the breakthrough side? Then he says, whatsoever you desire. When you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them because there's no more hindrance now whatever you ask for whatever you desire and we won't be desiring crazy things because we're in communion with him as a matter of fact he'll put his desires into your heart so you'll be asking for the things that he already wants in your life He'll fill you with his desire. He'll fill you with his thoughts. He'll fill you with his mind and his heart. And you'll begin to love the things that he loves. And you'll hate what he hates. You'll reject what he rejects. And you'll cleave to what he cleaves to. You'll become one with him. You'll become one with him. A powerful church. Because understand, we've talked a whole lot. We've talked a whole lot. But now they're going to have to see something. They're going to have to see Christ in you. In order for that to happen, we've got to die. There's got to be a death process. There's got to be where we die to ourselves. Where we hang, the Lord said, the Lord said like this, take up your cross and follow after me. The cross is a one-way trip. I don't know what we think about it. We put cross on our, 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 our necklaces. There's nothing wrong with that. We wear crosses on the church. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But understand, the cross is a one-way trip. You carry the cross to plant it, to hang there until you die. The Lord said, if you be willing to sell out to me like that, then I will grant you authority. And there will be no demon in hell that will ever stand before you. And when you decree a thing, when you speak a thing, it will surely come to pass. God is raising up an army, an army of believers, an army of end time warriors who will go into the places of darkness and bring out the captives, go into the places where the prostitute is and God will immediately deliver her. Go into the, into the drunkard's house and immediately deliver him. They're just waiting on somebody to be real. Is there anybody that's real? Is there anybody that truly seeks after the Lord? They're waiting. They're crying. They're desperate. And they're wondering, is Jesus real? When all they get on the job are, they're the Christians. They're in the corner telling nasty jokes. They're the Christians in the corner. Check their laptops. They're sneaking and watching pornography. Not here to condemn nor to judge But I'm telling you, the more we give it over to God, the more we give ourselves over to God, the more these other things will fall away from you. Because light and darkness cannot abide in the same place. We have a problem with issues. Don't curse the darkness. Just light a candle. Turn up the lights. Just turn up the lights. If we say, God, I I don't want to do this anymore. Free me from this. Just turn up the light. Get more into his presence. Cry out to him. Tell that thing. I mean, tell God about the issue and continue to confess it and continue to confess it and walk before him and you'll see those things falling off of you. And you will walk in great power and great authority. And we won't have an empty witness. See, there's a thing about going witnessing. There's nothing wrong with going witnessing, but Jesus never said go witnessing. He said, be a witness. And when you are a witness, you can't take it off and and put it on. It is who you are. And you will say, I am the body of Jesus Christ. These hands belong to Jesus These feet belong to Jesus. And when I lay hands on the sick, they must recover. They must recover. Because we've gotten real. We've gotten real. 
Well, the very last part of that, the Lord, after we ask for and we receive many deals with our unforgiveness. He said, you got to forgive. You've dealt with the mountain. You've got the God, God equation, right? God is the source. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You've cast the mountains aside. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now you've got the things you've been praying for. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now what, Lord? Let's deal with that relationship. You got to forgive. It's hard, Lord. I know. But you got to forgive. Because when we release them to God, God deals with them. God is the one that is just. He will judge justly. He will judge justly. If they don't turn from their wickedness, they'll receive a fate that is far worse than any prison, far worse than anything that we could do. Hell is real. It's real. God is a justifier. He's the one who would take care of it. The Lord said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. You just got to forgive and walk in love. Today, there's an anointing for breakthrough. Today, there's an anointing for healing. There's an anointing for deliverance. There's an anointing for God to break every chain off of your life and set you free. Some of you, God's been calling you all the service long and you know that God is dealing with your heart and you know that today is the day of your breakthrough. Today is the day of change. Finally, you get out the cage. Finally, the shackles are broken off of your wrists and your legs. And finally, you'll be released into true ministry and to true manifestation. Finally, today is that day. Today is the day, or maybe you're in this place and you say, I don't know if Jesus is real or not. Come on. He'll show himself to you. He'll show himself to you today. Today is that day. If you can only believe again, Jesus is here. He said, we're two or three. We're together together in his name. He will be in the midst of them. He's here. And he's come here for you. He knows that it's been loud and noisy in your life. There are so many distractions, cell phones, pads, computers, uh, text messaging, voicemail, email. There's so much noise all around us. We live in a noisy society. And it's hard to connect with him. So he came out to you. He's come for you. Will you meet him at this altar? Will you come right now? And we're going to pray a short prayer together. Some of you will come because, Lord, you know, hey, Lord, I've come to the end of my rope. I can't go any further, and I need breakthrough. I need breakthrough. I need a breakthrough in my home. I need a breakthrough in my marriage. I need a breakthrough in my child's life, in my grandchildren. I need a breakthrough. There is a mountain that is standing right here in front of me. And I've been praying and praying and praying and praying. And it has not moved. Well, now is the time. It's the appointed season for breakthrough. Some of you will come because you have not known Christ. Well, today is the day. (laughs) Today is that day. I believe that God will reveal himself to you and he'll move into your heart and make all things new and fill you with his power and his presence. Still others of you will come today because you're having problems forgiving someone and only Jesus can take that from you. And others of you will come because you know that God has called you to do a great thing but you've been hindered you've been held back and you know that there are great things but they've just not manifested today is that day today is that day the water is troubling at the pool the Lord is troubling the water at the pool 
But it's not the first one that gets in that gets in. It's everyone that steps in that gets in. For the healing of the Lord is here. His majesty. Great Holy Spirit. Blow. <laughs> Blow. 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 Blow like you did on the day of Pentecost. Come to your people that have been crying out to you day and night. Blow, blow, great King. Blow, Lord Jesus. Blow, blow upon the life of the mother that is crying for her children. Blow, blow upon the life of the father that has been crying and can't find a job.
to confront the mountains, the power to forgive. By your grace, Lord, let your grace flow abundantly and richly upon your people. Lord, everyone that has come, let your grace flow abundantly. Let your grace flow richly. Everyone that they're standing in prayer for, that many that are standing in prayer for someone else, let your grace flow abundantly. Cause them to see the manifestation of your words that is spoken today. What we do here at this altar is affecting something over there. What we do here at this altar is affecting something happening over there. And we believe today, Lord, for change, healing, and deliverance. Thank you, Father, for meeting us at this altar. Thank you that we have hope in you. We thank you for hearing our prayers as your church, as your body. Thank you, Lord, that we are not just leafy people, but we have fruit. We receive it now, Father, and we declare that it is done, not because of what we feel, but because of what you said. We receive it now in Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' mighty name. Let's give him a mighty hand of praise. Can we? Come on, let's rejoice. Hallelujah, let's rejoice. Hallelujah. 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 We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.